overkill, profusion, excess, surplus, too much, abundance. When it comes to the body of Christ, God is just a big show-off, heaping spiritual gifts on His people in an embarrassment of riches. I'm Laura Pace. And I'm Jessica Denny. You're listening to Embarrassment of Riches, where we explore the wisdom, passion, power, and grace that God has showered on the women of Dallas Bible. Hey, Laura. Hi, Jess. (laughs) It's not going to happen. Never gets easier, does it? Nope. Super awkward, always with the beginnings. Um, I feel like I should almost be to the point where I don't need to hold the questions in my hand, but I'm still going to because I need a guide, especially given our guest this evening who can occasionally go off on tangents and I might lose my way because our guest tonight is Mrs. Jessica Denny herself. Oh, wow. Me! (laughs) You know, I actually did think about just like surprising you because we were tossing around ideas um, because we didn't have a guest. And um, we were tossing around ideas about what we were going to talk about tonight. And I was thinking about just surprising you, but I thought, you are one prone to occasional resistance. And I didn't really want to do that on the podcast. Do you really think that I would resist that? I'm a yes person. You thought you were an Enneagram 8 at first. So if you didn't want to, you would throw down. And I'm, I'm not prepared emotionally to throw down. Well, that's true. But 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 I'm, I'm such a yes person, it's hard for me to imagine. If anything that sounds sort of like fun, the answer is yes. Well, this is going to be fun. Oh, right. And you're super familiar with the questions. But we decided to do this about... An hour and a half ago. That's right. I have not prepared. You have not prepared. Or thought about it, except. So the first question I'm going to ask you is, now tell me your favorite Bible verse. (laughs) Just John 3.16. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Um, Okay, well, let's just jump right in. Quick bio. Tell us about your life, birth to now, quick. Um, I am originally from Louisiana. Yes, you are. I am a military brat. So we moved about a lot, but I went to junior high, high school, and college in Louisiana, and I moved to Dallas. Did you go to the same junior high and high school? I'm like, obviously those are two different schools, but did you, was the progression in the same place for those Sort of. I went to half of junior high in Alexandria, Virginia, and okay. half of junior high um, in Louisiana. So, okay. uh, So I went to like eighth grade in Louisiana. So what was moving those times like for you? Uh, you know, I, um, I, I loved it. Uh, like I, I, I always felt like it was an adventure. Mm-hmm. So, and maybe my, the military didn't move you as much back then. So it was like kind of every four years. So we lived in Southern Cal. I was born in Louisiana when I was six months old. We moved to California. We lived in Southern California for four years then we lived in Germany for four years. Then we lived in D.C. for four years. And then we moved back to Louisiana, which Louisiana always felt like home because it was mm-hmm. where my mom was from. And it was like home base. And we always went back and visited. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I actually loved it. And, I, and, I, and we stopped moving around the time that it probably would have been Mattered harder. most to you yes. socially. So, yeah, exactly. So, um, so I actually loved it and loved the adventure of it and mm-hmm. getting to see different places and Mm -hmm. 
you know, make new friends. I think, I think to a large degree, it kind of forced me to be an extrovert. I learned early on, if you want a friend, you got to be a friend. Mm -hmm. And, uh, when you come into a new situation, not everybody is aware of you. That doesn't mean they don't want to be your friend. It just means they've already got friends, so they're not Mm -hmm. in desperate need of one. Mm -hmm. So if you need, if you want one, you better go out and get it. And Mm so, uh, I think that kind of shaped my personality. Mm -hmm. Um, I moved to Dallas to go to DTS in 2000, and then I've done a lot of things since then. <laughs> Married my husband, had kids. Went to school again. Went to school again, became a PA, you know, taught some school, worked uh, worked in uh, full-time ministry, you know. I feel like you've had multiple lives. I have. As far as your professional life. I have. Um, okay, so... Your childhood, it didn't feel chaotic moving. No. The, and, and like that wasn't a source of stress. You kind of enjoyed it. I did. Okay. Yeah, and, I, you, and you are very friendly and you do reach out to people very easily. So I can see how that would have shaped you. Yes. Um, how did you come to know Jesus? You know, I grew up Catholic. I always believed the story of Jesus. Um, I did not have the benefit of believing the Bible as a literal, mm-hmm. you know, like literal truth. Uh, but I always believed the story and I, I always believed in God. Um, but it was definitely for me, very guilt driven. Mm. Um, and, and so it wasn't until I was in college and I had kind of lived a crazy freshman year in college, mm-hmm. which we, we've, we've heard about, about mm-hmm. bears tattooed in, mm-hmm. et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my crazy freshman year in college, and when I went back uh, in this fall of, of my sophomore year, I was like, I kind of need to be around, hanging around people that are like better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just better than what right. I've been doing. I was like, I mean, I've been with Born Playa. And... <laughs> Did we know each other back then? No, we did I, I have a foggy uh, memory. I was hanging with Bull and Playa. Uh, no, uh, but, but I was like, I if I if I want to be better, I need to hang around better people. Of course, by back then that was like driven by like this morality thing. That's not not what I believe now, mm-hmm. but that's what you know. I definitely had some shame and embarrassment and felt like I didn't live up to my own expectations, mm-hmm. and so I wanted to be a better person. So. Um, I, I, I remember I, uh, had these girls that lived in my dorm, uh, my, my college roommate had, she stayed home our sophomore year. And so, uh, that was my best friend from high school. And, uh, so I was kind of on my own my sophomore year, which was also a motivator. And there were these girls that, um, went to the, the, the fellowship, which was the college ministry on Mm -hmm. campus. And unlike some of the other girls that lived in my dorm that went to other college ministries that kind of avoided me like the plague because mm-hmm. <laughs> they had seen me in drunken stupor at the huddle house mm-hmm. at uh, 2 o'clock in the morning and just really didn't want anything to do with me because I was kind of a wild child. You are a bad girl. I was a bad girl. I was born playa, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, these girls that had gone to the fellowship would like knock on my doors and ask for 
asked to borrow nail polish mm-hmm. or um or they would talk to me even mm-hmm. if I was puking in the, mm-hmm. the community bathroom you know mm-hmm. like they they just treated me like a normal human mm-hmm. being so when I decided that I wanted to go to a college ministry because I felt like that's where better people hung mm-hmm. out um I knocked on their door because I felt like they wouldn't judge me, mm-hmm. and uh, they didn't, and uh, mm-hmm. they brought me with them. And the, the funny thing is that's that was Lisa and Jenny Thompson and Amy Hastings, mm-hmm. and we never became really great friends. Uh, that like I mean they were friends, but more like acquaintance friends. Mm-hmm. But those girls, and the grace that they showed me my freshman year in college, are what led me. To a place of, of, of hearing the gospel mm-hmm. and really hearing it clearly for the mm-hmm. first time and kind of getting to that place where I realized it was all that he had done mm-hmm. and nothing that I had done mm-hmm. that made the difference. And um, anyway, so that's, that's how I ended up going. And I, uh, Lynn Woods was my college pastor. And, uh, and you know, those girls, back to the, I mean, those girls... Um, they weren't doing, I mean, they were doing something extraordinary, but they weren't. They were just living their life as believers and loving people and loving people around them and, and like meeting you where you were and and they didn't, they didn't have to join you in what you were doing and the choices that you're making, but they also didn't need to judge you to get you to personally know who Jesus Christ was. They just we're walking alongside and said, you're welcome here if you ever want to be welcome, if you ever want to come with us. Well, and they, the, those girls kind of set the tone for kind of where I've always gone to church since. I don't go where ragamuffins aren't welcome. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. if, uh, if, if there's not somebody that you're embarrassed, that you're slightly embarrassed that an open mic might be there. <laughs> And they might overshare with like some some wild story. Like if that if that might not happen in your church, if there's not a possibility of an edit alert that will happen with an open mic. At a Jessica church. Denny is not. I'm not down. going to that church, right? If there like because there needs to be there needs to be some colorful people. That's right. Because uh, Jesus saves colorful colorful people too. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. anyway, that's how I ended up knowing uh, knowing Christ. It was it was sort of funny because I I um. I don't have a conversion experience like the Billy Graham style conversion experience of like, you know, someone shared the gospel with me once and then I like walked down the altar and believed. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't aware I didn't believe because I had already heard that story. Mm-hmm. It was just that over a year of listening to Lynn Woods, our college pastor, preach, I came to understand grace. So sometime during my 19, uh, 19th year of life, Mm -hmm. I came to believe that it was all he had done and Mm -hmm. nothing I had done. Mm -hmm. And, um, and that, 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 that his, that his, his life, his death, his resurrection was sufficient. Mm -hmm. Um, what's, what's interesting is that my conversion experience kind of fed how I did children's ministry too, because my conversion experience isn't the, you know, day one you ask Jesus into your heart kind of thing, and then that was the day that you came, you came mm-hmm. to believe. Plus, if you want to get me started on it, I... I, I, mean, I wondered if you were going to... Oh, yeah. I, I, like, I'm, I'm anti... Um, I'm, 
I, I would never teach You're that. You're anti-kid anyway. speak. I'm anti-kid speak. When it comes to the speak. gospel, that's right. When it comes to the gospel, we don't need to. We don't need to cue it up. But um, but one of the things that I always talked about when I was working in children's ministry with parents and volunteers was, when you raise a child in a believing household, they may not have a conversion mm-hmm. experience like like the that you know altar call kind of a conversion experience mm-hmm. and. Don't expect them to have one because they just believe. They just believe. And that's one of the reasons why I don't like the cutesy language is because it confuses kids. It makes them feel like they have to literally ask Jesus. Well, actually, Aaron and Aaron Armstrong has spoken to that before saying like in his life. And I had the same experience in my life where I was like, am I have I officially become an, a Christian? Like, did I do it right? And I kept praying that same prayer, even though I believed it. I just felt like what I had done wasn't enough. Yes, because if you didn't say the words just right, like it was a magical prayer. Mm-hmm. or yeah, Right, and, and so my own experience made me kind of really dig into, like, wh- what is the gospel message, and is is the way that we teach that to children lining up with what Scripture mm-hmm. teaches? And often it, it doesn't, and not, not that God can't use our imperfect delivery of the gospel, mm-hmm. To, to, to bring people to Christ, he totally can. But I think we complicate people's conversion when we make the, when we make believe be something different than what mm-hmm. it is. It's believing. Do mm-hmm. you believe that? Do, do you understand this to be true? And, um, and, and so anyway, all that to say, a lot of that is because of, of my own experience and not having a date that mm-hmm. I accepted Christ. It was a process. It was a process. For you to get to the place of, it's nothing I can do. And I'm guessing that probably after you started going to the fellowship and r- realizing it's all that what Christ has done, you started making better choices, but you didn't start, asso- your, the, the choices you were making, you didn't associate with, this is my way to heaven. No, I, I, absolutely, absolutely. And, and, and it's, that's why, you know, you ask me what my favorite verse is. I can't even tell you the, the, the scripture reference, and I'm a seminary graduate, <laughs> but probably one of my favorite verses is, his kindness leads to repentance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's very special. And I think <laughs> you're very sweet and you're having a little moment and that's okay. Um, so, yes, I think that that is um, similar to my story. And I love that that's your story because I think it allows you to relate to so many different people. And, and the ragamuffins, that you're not off-put like... Because you know what it feels like oh, sure. for people to treat you like, like the leper, than, like yeah. they, the, the person that they don't want to be associated with because your drunkenness might rub off on them or right. whatever. Um, so yes, it did lead to your repentance and you really turned things around so much so that you ended up going to seminary and and, and that other part of your life that wasn't as good because we didn't know each other. <laughs> exactly. I'm just assuming I made a, your It was life a less better. rich time. Um Okay, so how do you think um, God has uniquely gifted you? Well, in so many ways, I could so, name lots. In so so many ways, um, I I I guess I would I, I would say like if you're talking about like spiritual gifts, I think for me, um, hospitality is one of one of one of my favorite gifts to use. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do feel like God has like placed that in my heart where I love having people in my home. 
I love mm-hmm. entertaining people. I love making people feel welcome. Mm-hmm. Um, I think part of that is I think he used me being a military brat to mm-hmm. know what it feels like to be on the outside, mm-hmm. um, to be the kind of person that wants to bring people in, in into the circle. I've always like taught my kids, and it's how I think about friendship. It's like true friendship is always has room for another. Mm-hmm. Um, th- there's only one relationship in your life that is singular, and that is marriage. Every mm-hmm. other relationship has room for more people, and um, and there's always an opportunity to widen the circle. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think. I think that's part of the hospitality part of me is that I, I, I do love widening the circle and that's not hard for me to do. I mm-hmm. think God has put, put that on my heart. Um, I also um, feel like God has like kind of gifted me with discernment. I, I'm, sometimes it's sort of funny because I can be so uh, light and... Um, Silly, goofy, Silly, goofy funny. funny, but I am, I am actually a thinker, you know, mm-hmm. I, I do, um, I listen, I listen carefully, um, I, I'm, I, I, I can, I, I have the ability to like see truth and, mm-hmm. and relate things back to scripture and I remember scripture and, um, and I know when things line up, when I know when things don't line up, and I know when something doesn't fall into a theology. Like, it, I, I'm I'm good at that. Mm-hmm. So um, sometimes that's a blessing, and sometimes I feel like that's a curse. Sometimes I want to turn off my brain. Wish you don't wouldn't overthink things. <laughs> yeah, overthink things. Sometimes, yeah, I, I can I can be a, a little bit of a critic sometimes of going, mm, that's sloppy language. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, but I do think it it helps me. Um, I think that that helps me, particularly in what I do for a living, um, because I work uh, as a mental health professional. I, I work as a PA in, in psych. Um, Say what PA stands for for phys- people that physician assistant. I'm a physician assistant, so I basically do med management for psych. But anybody that works in psych doesn't get to just do med management. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of counseling involved in that too, mm-hmm. and I'm not always talking to believers. Mm. So I, but I view what I do as a ministry. And so I have an opportunity to speak truth into people's lives that don't hold the same worldview as me. And I have to do that in a delicate way because of the nature of my job. Mm -hmm. But I do feel like God uses that discernment for me to be able to speak to people who don't hold the same view of scripture that I do, Mm -hmm. but I can... I can still counsel them and guide them in truth. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that, um, again, kind of like the girls in your dorm, you can do that just by being yourself and being accepting and um, without being preachy. Yes. To, I mean, obviously right, you so can't be preachy. Not to. <laughs> well, I mean, opinionated and, and just saying good practical advice to your clients <laughs> is one thing, but being very preachy or like, Legalistic or judgmental yeah. is a totally different thing. Um, yeah, um, I, I, I would, um, <laughs> I, I would never be accused of being legalistic. Uh, <laughs> I would be accused yeah. of many other things. You can't, you can't tell a story about almost getting your belly button pierced in some dude's garage, right? And have legalism anywhere near that conversation. Yeah, it's, it's hard. It's hard to be me and be legalistic. <laughs> right. I, it's not, it's not like, a, it's not like a, 
you know, crown that I'm going to receive in heaven for not being legalistic. It's just That's like, right. it's like when Kyle Denny told me last week that uh, I was really good at apologizing. I said, yeah, because I have to do it yeah, all the time. I'm an expert. <laughs> it's not It's not hard when you do it four times every day. Yeah, when you are required to apologize four times a day because of the your behavior, you get really good at it. Yeah. Now, if I could only just behave better. Um, okay, so... You are great. You are um, very faithful about asking this question. I always forget it. Oh, don't ask me. (laughs) No, this is no. This is a good one. What's your big ask prayer? You know, I think for me, I have had some seasons. um, I graduated from seminary in two thousand and three. I have had seasons where. I was not so faithful, I, where I was not disciplined in my walk with the Lord, um, and not just not disciplined, um, because, you know, like, I'm not, I'm not super legalistic, so I don't, I don't, I don't require discipline of myself, but, but my love for the Lord should, should be overpouring into, in, into the spiritual practices, and I think motherhood was like early motherhood that was really hard for me. Mm. Um, and then there have been seasons like of deep pain where that has been much easier for me. Mm. And so so I think my big ask prayer is that I finally think that I'm at a point in my life where I, the acute needs of my children are no longer so demanding that they require so much of my attention. And so I'm really just asking God to show me how he wants me to serve, to show me how he wants to use my gifts. And I, and that's really wide open. Um, you were asking, so, so I, so I don't really know. I mean, I think like this podcast, I think that's part of it for me. Mm -hmm. And that why I was so excited about it was because like this, this is, this is so this is so my jam. Like th- this is so what I want to do. Like spending time with women, getting to know what makes them tick. That that's something that I, I love. So, so I would love for this to continue. I would love for us to keep doing this. Um, that's 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 probably the biggest ask I've got. When I was talking to Don Moody um, at church the other day, and I was telling her um, that I I. I feel bad because I, I want to serve in children's ministry every week because I think it's important mm-hmm. and I, I, I want that continuity and I want, I want for Dawn and the children's ministry to be freed up from uh, the administrative aspects of their job, which would lessen if, mm-hmm. if we had people that were more people that were serving weekly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, but I told her, I was like, I, I say that, and yet I, the, I'm I'm not I I'm not able to give that mm-hmm. because I don't I don't feel like that's I don't feel like that's what God's called me to do. I feel like I have like this boundless energy, like a puppy sometimes, mm-hmm. and so I I really like doing I like I really like starting things. Mm-hmm. I really like new adventures. I like special programs and um, and. You know, a couple of years ago, like I did the um, the 
fundraiser event at, at my kid's school. Like, I love doing stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And when I have too many weekly commitments, I'm never, I don't have the energy or time to devote to that. So, mm-hmm. like, this year, I was, I organized the Seder dinner at church. Mm-hmm. Like, I have margin to do that because I have said mm-hmm. no to some other mm-hmm. things. And so those those are the kind of things that I just like, I feel like God just like kind of dumps some things on mm-hmm. me from time to time. Like when Kristen posted that thing on Facebook about, uh, you know, wanting to highlight the mm-hmm. women of, of church, I really do. I feel like God just kind of goes, mm-hmm. Jessica, this mm-hmm. is what I have for you. Mm-hmm. You, get, you can get this going. You've got the energy to kind of mm-hmm. make something like this happen. Mm-hmm. And um, so, so I think I just... I'm I'm looking for places where where God is going to use me, and I'm just trying to be open-minded and mm-hmm. open-hearted to be able to do that. So your big ask prayer is, tell me what to ask for, God. Like, tell just, me what to ask for. Or really just, uh, like, I'm, I'm available. Mm-hmm. I am now available, Lord. Just show me what you want me to do. And I feel mm-hmm. like he's, I feel like he's doing that. Mm-hmm. And you have had... Um, some awareness recently of saying no where you need to say no, even when sometimes you want to say yes to free yourself up for yes. Some I, of the other I, I, I have a serious yes problem. When you want, yeah. When you want to, when you want to do something, or when something sounds neat or appealing, um, you have a hard time saying no, even when you should. Absolutely. Say no. Absolutely. Absolutely. Which I think is a great quality and also probably not the best one for your family sometimes. <laughs> like, you... <laughs> there were definite times where I I, 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 uh, I, I overcommitted, for sure. Um, well, I, I the, it, on here it says, um, just describe a time in your life when God showed up in a big way, and I feel like you kind of covered that. Um, but is there anything else that jumps out for you? Um in a way that God showed up that really shaped who you are now, um, how you are now. Yeah. I mean, there, I've got, I got, I got, I, I mean, I got a pocket full of those, but I, I would say probably most recently, um, I have had a family member that is struggling with addiction and it, I've had to separate some from that. And just for my protection and safety and sanity and for my kids. And that was really, really difficult and kind of crushing in, mm-hmm. in many ways and um, had really, really a hard season for me. Um, but I, I feel like with each of those little heartbreaks that I've had in my life, and that being the most recent and maybe maybe the worst one, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think it, it. I think it. It's. I think it's fair to say it's the worst. Um, that I feel like God has permanently broken me in a very wonderful way. Mm-hmm. Um, where prior to that, I think I was able to become callous. Mm-hmm. I think I was able to like kind of walk back from my faith some. I, I was able to get lazy. And um, the level of dependence that I had on him in the months after that all went down with my family, I I felt like he was literally willing me to breathe. Mm -hmm. And um, 
it probably took me six months to kind of feel like a semi-normal person. Mm-hmm. But God's presence has never been so fully felt. And I, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that, but that's there's a sweetness to that, even though that's like I would not wish that six months on anyone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am so blessed that mm-hmm. God used that in my life because as crushing as this world can be, his presence is, mm-hmm. is peace. Mm-hmm. Um, and his presence is comfort mm-hmm. and um, his presence is hope. And I definitely got to feel that during mm-hmm. that time. And I've seen you repeatedly in the wake of that, asking yourself, How, what's God, how's God using this? How can I grow? Um, what can I do to make it better for myself, my family, um, and not trying to blame anything on your family member that's struggling, rather for you to take responsibility and go, God, what are you showing me? Right. And I think that's been really hard. I mean, I think that's been a process too. Um, but watching you walk through that and just going, how can I grow from this? How can I not be bitter? How can I not take this piece of pain that's happening in my life and take it out on my kids or my husband? Sure. Like that you had the awareness around all of that, I think is definitely a testimony to what God's done with with a really hard situation. That's probably true. Or at least, I mean, I definitely think he's, he, he, if there's any, if there's any grace in the way that I have handled that situation, it is, it is a reflection of the grace that he's shown me. Um, it's funny as, as we're talking about that, um, that, so that's been such a struggle for me because, um, what I say, to, I, what I say to patients all the time, other than eat your feelings. <laughs> That's and stuff them deep down yeah. deep, you know. Compartmentalize, <laughs> put it on a shelf. Right. Other than just telling them that, uh-huh. I'm joking, in case you don't know that. Um, I frequently tell patients that the, the, the crappiest thing about forgiveness is the people that need it don't deserve it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and wouldn't it be a heck of a lot easier to forgive people if they actually deserved it? Right, sure. But, that, but that's not the nature of mm-hmm. forgiveness. If they mm-hmm. need it, they don't deserve it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I do think that God has shown me even more. I, I, I mean, l- lucky for me, born playa, um, <laughs> born playa has, has long known for the, I've known for the past 20 years, mm-hmm. uh, that I am in need of forgiveness, mm-hmm. but it's much easier to offer forgiveness to people who are remorseful. Well, oh, but that, well, that too, but that wasn't the point I was going to oh, make. Okay. You're <laughs> um, into that's, no, but what I was saying was that it's, it's much easier to offer forgiveness to people when you realize that you're a person for sure that desperately needs mm-hmm. forgiveness. Yeah. And, um, and I am aware of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And when, and when you have received forgiveness and, and experienced the grace and, um, the kindness that was bestowed on you, you want to do that for somebody else. Like, well, you can see the value in doing that for somebody else. You may not always want to. Oh yeah. Although I don't know that we've, I, I don't know that I've reached the point where, um, 
I don't know that I don't know that that family member is experiencing that forgiveness mm. from me. Um, I I feel like I am forgiving them, and and I say I am forgiving them in present tense because um, this, it's a work the, in progress. That's a work in progress. I always I also in addition to to telling patients that uh, forgiveness is belongs to those who don't deserve it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It also, I kind of use this example of, of forgiveness being like a balloon full of resist, resentments mm-hmm. that you wake up with in your hand every morning, and every morning you have to choose to let it go. Mm-hmm. And then you wake up the next morning, and that balloon is there, mm-hmm. and you have to choose to let it go. And that's, that's, that is how you forgive big hurts every mm-hmm. day on an ongoing basis. Mm-hmm. It's a process. It isn't like, it's not a one-up. You don't get to release the balloon, and it never shows up. Mm-hmm. But the hope is that the balloon gets lighter and lighter mm-hmm. and lighter and eventually it never shows up. That's, I think that's beautiful. And my, that's my hope for you. Um, and I think you're doing it great. I, I, and I, knowing you personally, I know that you're also hard on yourself and sometimes think that you should be someplace where you aren't yet. And so I think that um, it's been neat to watch you walking through very intentionally letting go of that balloon every morning. Even when you don't really want to. <laughs> um, okay, well, I loved interviewing you. Yeah, this has been so funny, Laura. Yeah, <laughs> this has been were we, were we supposed to be making a light one? <laughs> didn't work. <laughs> it didn't work. But that's good. You showed up with some good truth. And um, I think, I, I hope that listeners enjoy getting to know a little bit more about your story. Um, and, and maybe I think just for us doing this, it's probably good for one of us to sit in the interviewee seat um, to see what it feels like for our guests because they've come on and they've been vulnerable and honest. And um, I appreciate you just doing the same thing. Join us next time when Laura Pace shows all of her vulnerability. I am not good at that. Did you hear <laughs> podcast number one? <laughs> the whole... The best part of this is I don't yeah. have to be the one that's so vulnerable. So when uh, Laura was saying an hour and a half ago we decided that um, she would interview me, I said, why don't I interview you? And she's like, why don't I interview you? <laughs> I think this is a better idea. And Tag I thought of it. Team. So it's me doing the questions. Um, well, thank you, my dear friend. Um, thank you for in, uh, letting us in to know a little bit more about you and... Um, Thanks for doing it to who knows how many because at this point this thing we is will big, have released like six podcasts so I mean we could you could be sharing this with millions that's probably accurate <laughs> <laughs> or my five best friends or that plus yours except yours don't even know about it right because I won't post it on my public Facebook page refuse <laughs> um, all right well we will I. You know, endings are hard for me. Are so you, are, you're going to have to put I, back on your... No, no, your, no. I'm making you try No, you've got to put back on your co-host <laughs> I'm being interviewed. <laughs> I don't have to close this show, Laura. Well, it's been a great evening. Thanks for coming, Mrs. Denny. We will see you next time. Thank you. Thank you.